invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians and the third chapter. And I want to read verses 12 and verse 12. Yeah. 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 12. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Let's read that again. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Then let's go over to the Next chapter, chapter 4, and notice verses 9 and 10. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Let's read that again as well. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. In 1 John 3 and verse 14, it talks about love also, and it gives it as a, as a test for us. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Now the scriptures that we looked at, of course, are emphasizing love. And Paul wrote that that these Thessalonians didn't need to have uh, a written introduction about love because God had taught them. It was not a new idea. They were taught of God. And they did love, but they needed reminders. We need reminders. This is kind of basic Christianity 101. Love one another. And here, as also in 1 Peter 1.22, where he also acknowledged, uh, Peter acknowledged that the people he was writing to loved each other. But he told them to increase more and more. And, and uh, that to, to grow in that. And I think that the, uh, the subject here fits very well with our, with our Sunday school lesson. Love was mentioned in the, in the passage. Uh, Paul said, But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. And to make this lesson work, there has to be Christian love. 
We know that God is love. It's part of his nature, part of his character. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, God loves us. He loves us personally. There's a verse in Romans 16 uh, at the uh, end of Romans about Rufus, where it mentions Rufus, who we're not sure exactly who Rufus is, but uh, let's see, verse 13. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Rufus actually was a common name for slaves, but it says of him uh, that he was picked by the Lord. The Lord chose him. Well, obviously, Rufus chose the Lord also, but the Lord chose him to be his very own. He's one of the Lord's selection, one of the Lord's precious ones. And we don't know who this Rufus was. Simon, who carried the cross, had a couple of sons, and one of them was named Rufus. Whether it was this one or not, I don't know that we can tell. But God is love. God loved Rufus. God loved us. And we are to love one another. God's children, God's offspring should have that characteristic. And we're familiar with the commandments to the greatest being to love God. And the second is like unto it, to love our neighbors as ourselves. And love for God and love for our neighbors, love for others is is inseparable. First uh, John five and verse one: Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and every one that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. So all who love him that begat, who is God, all who love God, love the begotten, that is God's children. And in verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. If our love for God is real, our love for his children will be real also. We love them because they're God's children. We look forward to spending eternity with them. We should. We expect, I'm thinking this morning particularly of love and the brotherhood. You know, we expect, and Jesus taught, that the world will hate us. But we expect love from our brothers. But, you know, uh, we learn and we experience sometimes that there are hurts in the brotherhood. Sometimes deep hurts within the brotherhood, among brethren. Hurts from brethren. It can be a lack of love. Uh, just, uh, you know, people being insensitive and unloving toward other people and not caring about them, which would work with our lesson. Or it could be a, a suffering one who lacks love. He's oversensitive unloving, wanting it his way, and being unforgiving. But the church should be a haven of 
love, not strife. God commanded love, that we love. First uh, John, again, in chapter 3. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Verse 23 of that chapter. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. Uh, if you're reading the Bible through sometime, uh, the New, New Testament especially, notice the number of times. It is many, many times uh, where it mentions love for the brethren, love for others. Many times. Jesus taught that. Paul taught that. John and Peter love one another. It's commanded. And Christ's example for God so loved us, we also, we ought also to love one another. The example of God and our Savior. We also should love one another. And if we've, we're familiar with 1 Corinthians uh, 13, I'll just read the uh, first uh, couple of verses there. <clears throat> the love chapter, which emphasizes that without love, our Christianity is just an empty profession. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. All those great things that, that uh, we could do and that we could even do well, uh, it's, it's worthless if we don't do it, do those things from a motivation of love. And then... In 1 John 2, 9, it says that without love, we're not just worthless. This passage says we're dead if we don't love. 1 John 2 and verse 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. And verse 11, but he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. And it's emphasized again in the third chapter, in verses 14 and 15. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So, as love, as genuine love is an evidence of spiritual life, a lack of it indicates that there is death and not life. 
So it's an indicator. And it helps us to show whether, first of all, whether we're truly born again. And it can also help us show, uh, it's also an indication of our spiritual health. How, how we love one another. I'd like to look at a few characteristics uh, this morning. I think that help us to understand this love and challenge us to, to grow. One thing that we see, one characteristic we see stressed in the scripture about Christian love is that it be sincere. It needs to be, real love is sincere. Romans 12, verses 9 and 10. Maybe you want to flip your Bible open to that, those verses. Romans 12, verses 9 and 10. <clears throat> Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. That without dissimulation is, means without hypocrisy, no hypocrisy. Let love be real. Let love be genuine. And from the heart, not just a superficial smile, a friendly look that hides unfriendly feelings. That would be hypocrisy, wouldn't, wouldn't it? Not a courteous word that, or words that mask what's really inside. 1 Peter 1.22 says this, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love, is the word it uses there in 1 Peter 1. A sincere affection, not acting, but a genuine warmth toward others. <clears throat> uh, love is, is uh, a sincere love is, is righteous. It is uh, part of, the, of being righteous. Not hating isn't love. Not feeling malice towards someone isn't love either. You know, just to say, I don't have anything against anybody, that's not love either. Neutral uh, doesn't pass. Real love, the genuine, sincere love is not put on. It's, it's fervent, it's real, and it adds meaning to relationships. It adds meaning to the, to the holy kiss, which is called the kiss of charity, which we are, uh, one of the New Testament teachings, commandments, I think five times it's mentioned. First Peter 5 speaks of the kiss of charity. And, and uh, I think it's a good exercise in greeting one another that we consciously love them and think sincerely, this is my brother, this is my sister. I love him, God bless him. 
often we do uh, give a blessing with our with our greeting. But that's a, that's a critical characteristic of Christian love, that it's real, that it's sincere. Another characteristic that the scriptures teach is that this love is impartial. James 2, 8 and 9. If you want to turn there, uh, James chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9 talk about a royal law. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. In other words, if ye show favoritism, if ye love some and not others, if ye prefer some to others. If you love because of, of uh, expecting love in return or what that affection can uh, do for you, which is a selfish motivation. Or if you love and are friendly for status or just love those that you enjoy. <clears throat> That's not, that's not good. God, God's love is uh, without respect of persons. Romans 2 verse 11. Now sometimes we feel like, I mentioned this already about being sensitive. Sometimes we can feel like others are or show preference in their love. And they don't love me, you know, like they love somebody else. And I'm kind of unloved. And, you know, it's possible that we are, of course. But it may be a signal, too, that I'm desiring more than my fair share or that I'm selfish in my motivation for wanting love. And maybe I'm not loving others like I should be loving others. Maybe there's something lacking in my own love. But this, this characteristic of loving everyone, now certainly we'll have friends that we're closer to, brothers or sisters that we're closer to than others, uh, even that we enjoy more than others, but we should love everyone. There should be no one uh, left out. You know, once in a while you read a news story about somebody that uh, disappeared and nobody noticed. And it's always kind of sad. And uh, I've, I've noticed a number of those over the years. And there was one a couple years ago that struck me, somebody from South Carolina. Her name was Mary Merchant. And she died of natural causes in her house with only her dog for company and nobody noticed for 18 months. And in the meantime, uh, her dog died of thirst and in the same room with her. 18 months and nobody had found out. 
nobody noticed. Then after she was discovered, after her body was discovered, then the neighbors thought about it. You know, we, didn't, we hadn't seen her for a while. It had been a little while since we saw her. She was a, she was a quiet person, sort of a, sort of a withdrawn person and wasn't one to socialize, so that was her fault. Her husband had died a number of years before and she was there all by herself. The electric was turned off, she didn't pay her bills, so after three months they turned her electric off. And her mail, she had a uh, post office box, so there wasn't mail piling up in her mailbox. And she wasn't on any special medications, so nobody was checking with her on that. A sister-in-law had tried to call her once, but the family wasn't close and she didn't get an answer. Or she, she uh, yeah, there was an announcement that the phone had been disconnected and so she thought probably she'd gotten a cell phone and she didn't know what it was. But the neighbors just really felt bad about it. And in fact, she wasn't paying her taxes so uh, the place was put up for auction and that's when she was discovered. Sad. But, you know, uh, sometimes, sometimes things like that happen in a congregation where somebody disappears. They may still be showing up at church sometimes, maybe less, but they kind of disappear. Maybe they die. But in a brotherhood, there should be no one overlooked or uncared for or excluded, whether they're mature or immature, friendly or crabby, considerate or thoughtless, we should love them all. That's a challenge for us. So that there is no one person unloved among us. And a, little, a good little exercise for us is to scan through of our directory or over our phone list and, and or even looking across a congregation, our, our group. Is there somebody there that, that I don't really like? And we kind of, we know we kind of avoid them. Well, it's, that's a sign that we need a little work. We need to do a little homework. We need to work on that. If uh, somebody doesn't love us, there's a limit to what we can do with that. But if we don't love someone else, there is something we can do with that. <clears throat> love is serving, uh, even sacrificially. The disciples had this tendency, which is common to disciples, everywhere and through all the ages to want others to serve them. But Jesus taught, if I then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. By love 
serve one another. There must be uh, concern for the well-being of the brotherhood and uh, caring for one another's welfare, even over our own. And sometimes it means that we sacrifice. Jesus did, of course, Christ. Walk in love as Christ hath also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. These, these verses emphasize the love of Christ who gave himself and how he called us to follow his example and a willingness to, we need to be willing to let go sometimes of what would be most comfortable or most fun or the easiest or the most preferred to give up something for the good of others. Service is uh, a characteristic. It's a characteristic of Jesus' life and of loving brothers and sisters. And love is forbearing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Beareth all things. A quiet endurance without complaining. And it rather, rather than publishing the faults of others, it covers and protects. Not, not, if, there's, not if there's sin, but, but uh, flaws and bad moves by others. You know, it's just so easy to want other people to know that that person did something wrong, especially if it was toward me. And it can, uh, you know, if we see them, that person who wronged me and wasn't kind, wasn't considered, or whatever the offense might be, we see them circulating with others with warmth and friendliness, and they're liked and seem to be appreciated and seem to be looked up to. And, you know, sometimes we would like if those folks would know what they did and what, what kind of person they really are. But there is a blessing in endurance if love is the motive. And we want them to do well. We want them to be well thought of. We want them to be a blessing in the church. And that can be, a, that can be a, a challenging little exercise of Christian charity. But it is a rewarding one and it is, and it is a strengthening one. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins.
Love is a testimony. That's the last characteristic I'll talk about here. Love is a testimony. John 13, verse 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. It is a powerful evidence to the world when they can see a group of people, a brotherhood, that loves one another. That's, that's amazing to them. They know about selfishness. They know about greed. They know about revenge. They know about hate and despising others and grudges. But to know people that, that love one another, that's a powerful evidence to, to the world, a powerful testimony. Uh, some of you may have gotten Pablo's little introduction to, the, uh, to a New York Times article that's apparently coming out pretty soon. A couple of New York Times um, reporters came to Waslala and interviewed Pablo and Jacinto and I think uh, Tim Schrock, the bishop. And they wanted to come to the place where Lisa Miller had lived with her daughter and, and wanted them to talk about it. They, they hesitated a little, prayed about it, and decided that they would. But uh, Pablo told them, you know, one thing we want to make clear, you know, maybe the world considers us wrong. Maybe the, the law would hold us as criminals, but, but we don't feel we're criminals. And we, we love um, those people that, that are against us. And, and it, it did impress the, uh, the reporter. And he said... There is a difference. Uh, you are like holy criminals. Holy criminals. So that does kind of strike people's attention. And besides being a powerful evidence to the, to the world, uh, it's a powerful evidence to our children, to our families. It's an evidence that faith, that Christianity is real. If children can see that mom and dad love each other and they love the brotherhood, they care about the brotherhood, that, that's a strong testimony. Sometimes the reason that children get disillusioned and cynical is because, and disgusted, is because they haven't seen it work in that area. Right at home, they see mom and dad maybe not getting along with each other well. Mom and dad criticizing the church, criticizing brothers and sisters. I read about a little boy <clears throat> who uh, happened to be uh, at the window of the at the, uh, at the window of the house, and a neighbor lady came up and was talking to his mom who was just outside. And, and the, um, the neighbor lady 
said some things that were not for a little boy to hear. There were things about herself or, or something that was going on in the neighbor, a neighborhood, I'm not sure what the story was, and it doesn't matter, but it was a sensitive thing that a little boy could have run off with and told somebody else, and it would have hurt the reputation of the neighbor. And the mom discovered the boy was there. He wasn't old enough to, mature enough to, you know, go away and, you know, get out of earshot because it was something sensitive. And the mom said uh, to this uh, little boy, if you found, if we found $100 lying out here on the sidewalk, would we, would we take it and say it's ours? Use it, spend it, do something with it? Well, no, it's, it's not ours. And the mom, the wise mother said, you know, that, that neighbor lady left something precious here too, something that's valuable, her reputation. And we will take care of it. It's not ours. It's not ours to go and give away and do something with. So we'll take care of it. We'll not talk to other people about it. He was impressed with that. <coughs> Love is a testimony. We've talked about several things that love is, not about everything that love is, but love is sincere, it's genuine, it's impartial, it doesn't pick and choose, it loves everyone. And in a healthy, loving brotherhood, everyone should be loved. And love is serving. Loving people are servants, even sacrificial service. And love is forbearing. This kind of love is a testimony. It's a testimony to the world. It's a testimony to our families. It's an encouragement to brothers and sisters together. Love is active, but activity may not be love. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, we didn't read that chapter, but all of it. But, um, you know, even those things in the verses that I did read, those great things that a person could do, uh, they, they can be done without Christian charity. And the call of the chapter, the, the message of the chapter is not that those things don't matter and aren't good things, but that for them to be of any value, for them to be of any worth, they must be done with uh, love, with the motive of love. And the same with getting along with our brothers and sisters and considering them uh, like we studied in our Sunday school lesson this morning. It must be love that is the motivation. Love for God and love for the brotherhood is what makes the difference between a vain offering and an acceptable sacrifice. Beloved, let us love one another. 
for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Shall we have a closing song, Joe?